No one knows what I have to go through every single time we get on to record before the record button is actually hit. Most of it involving you being exhausted. I was going to say, I hope that uh, wasn't a slight <laughs> against me. Oh, it definitely was. Co-founder, partner, and uh, saboteur. Saboteur. <laughs> You're my favorite saboteur. I think, I think we should just do one episode of just pure outtakes, all cut together. It'll probably oh sound God. exactly the same for like 45 straight minutes of us just <laughs> fuck you Zencaster fucking zoom goddamn health checks it's gonna be the same thing just back to back to it's back so true Take me to coffee. This is a mentorship podcast for the digital age. For anyone who looks outside of the box for inspiration. And knows just how important a great mentor can be. From movie stars to blog writers to advocates for fair wage on stage in this day and age, we have something to learn from everyone. You're the Eminem of our intro copy. <laughs> that internal rhyme was something. <laughs> I am like full eight mile right now. It felt it felt natural coming out. So. so this is your weekly chance to get personal with people who've been down the road before you. It's Soak up a whole lot of inspiration from every corner of the internet. For those of you listening, and I don't know if you've had the same experience with your own technology stuff, but clearly, like with tools like Meet and Zencaster that have, you know, offered upgraded versions of it for free during the coronavirus, there's, I guess, I mean, what I think is happening is there's just way more people using all of these things. And so we've seen all of the technology that we've been using for a year become very buggy. Yeah, right? It's uh, buggy because you'd think that, you know, everybody's doing Zoom, everybody's on Zoom calls, everybody's doing everything else. And then Zencaster, like everybody and their mom's making a fucking podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> I just read about a couple of uh, other new podcasts that were coming out the other day and I was like, God, everybody's doing it. Every single person that we know is doing it and they've all got an angle. Was there anything interesting um, like that piqued your interest? No, same old stuff. <laughs> Um, it's funny you bring that up because tonight, and I swear we didn't plan this, by the way, but tonight, uh, uh, which we're recording this intro on Monday, so the day before you hear it, I'm actually moderating a fireside chat about podcasting um, with the head of podcasts for Morning Brew, which is this, you know, humongous daily like news roundup newsletter. Um, and I'm pretty excited because the entire evening is being put on by uh, a really cool company called Badassery, which we will have more to tell you about soon. Um, oh, and it's all about so badassery. <laughs> she's amazing, the founder Danielle. But um, the evening is all about finding your why in terms of like you know deciding on what you want to do for a podcast. Which, to your point, I think is like really important. And I think it'll be really interesting to talk to people who are in the on the business side of things that run big, huge companies and are trying to figure mm -hmm. out how to use podcasts to sort of like create a new vertical for their business because their problems or their challenges are like kind of the direct opposite of ours as creatives when we make a podcast um, mm -hmm. because they're looking for like, how do we get straight data or how do we normalize selling ads? And, and, you know, for us, we're like, how do we make a podcast and keep, you know, tweaking this podcast to be an amazing creative that takes everybody with us and... <laughs> It should be a really right. cool uh, conversation. Badassery. I want, that's, a, that's the only company I want to be a part of. Anything that's badassery. I know. It's a fucking new, <laughs> it's, it's so like a true. noun, verb, adjective. It's all the things. Like, what do we call that? A, 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 a verb, noun-jative. Noun-jative. <laughs> noun <-jow> <laughs> Nerve-jative. 
keep going. That's random. Yeah, no, they, all, they you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna table that. We'll workshop that later. Uh, non verb adjective. Uh, uh, I have another question for you. I wanted I to ask an you today. Go ahead. H- how are you feeling with all the like chatting about stuff starting to open back up again? What's what's where's your temperature on all that for yourself and uh, your life? personally i i yeah. i like it i i like it because it starts an, a whole bigger conversation of how do we safely start to do things and now we have to methodically step through what it's going to look like each step of the way and i think i personally believe that we're very especially in the theater and the arts and things like that anywhere you where you're in close proximity any kind of entertainment mm-hmm. i think we're very far away from it but to have these conversations start now Right. And maybe come up with some kind of an answer or some kind of a, uh, a guideline or a step-by-step process that we can start to institute or start to think about building the infrastructure for taking temperatures, cleaning things. I know it's a daunting task, but thank God we're starting those questions now before we start to reopen things Yeah, in many states today and this month and in the weeks ahead. But I was just reading, a, just saw a report today that Cuomo says, you know, we're going to start to reopen things upstate where people haven't been as, you know, that's less dense in upstate New York. If you forget, New York State is a massive place. Yeah, it is, know, a, right? is a very, very large. What? It's not just New York City? <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy to think about. But we live on, you know, this tiny little 14, 14 by 7, what was it, 14 by 3, 14 by 3 mile, square mile um, island. And that's where, you know, what? 15 million people live it's absolutely insane right the rest of the state is a very large wide open place that is full totally. of mountains and hills and things like that and they're going to start to reopen a little bit but on may 15th like you know the city's clearly going to have uh, new york city's clearly going to have a longer more drawn out process for what it is to be uh in the next steps of covid so it gives me hope I'm also like, when do we start back up in the theater? Like I miss performing. I, I was yeah. telling my wife the other day, I was like, God, I just miss fucking being on stage. I miss it. I really do miss it. I miss going to auditions. I miss, yeah. you know, I, I had a job lined up for that was supposed to be in performances right now. And I'm just like, when the fuck am I going to be back on stage? When, when am I going to be back to be in front of the camera? When am I going to be doing what I love? Um, and the answer, the easy answer to that is, I could be doing that right now by putting out content, by doing what I'm doing right now. But like, you know, there's something extra special about it when you go yeah. to like, you know, the theater live, and you're doing yeah. it, you know, live stuff. So, um, yeah, missing that right now. What about you? Are you missing what's going on? Where's your head at? You know, what's your temperature I, right now? Speaking of what's your what's your temperature right now? I don't know. Right I don't know no thermometer. Sorry. No. <laughs> I know. So I know. Stupid. You're so stupid. <laughs> Like you can't um, even make jokes with you because you just kill the jokes. It's it's, so you're jokes. welcome. That's my job. Uh, you are the foil. That is right. You know, the last couple of days, I have really been thinking a lot about how drastically my life will be changed from this, at least in, you know, the interim. You can never see too far. But also, like, what parts of it I actually want to keep, you know? I don't know. That was a little cryptic, but I think specifically as I keep thinking like, okay, we know in the next six months, we're likely to have some waves of this. I really, really, really don't want to play roulette, you know, any more than I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it's been extraordinary and circumstantially like lovely to have this kind of focused time on my hands do you know what I mean? Yeah, and because you you know absolutely. me, I'm always working and I'm always working hard, but I'm always sort of, I mean, even in New York City, you add like you got 
two or three hours of travel every day by the time you've gone to all your meetings all around the city and um, mm-hmm. so, you know I'm going out to dinner or a play or something every you know three nights a week or something like that so my my work gets cut off and right now I'm just like here I'm able to work full time I'm like I'm full time on Broadway Unlocked acting and directing which is and then writing for fun like I have so much time that I sometimes will end an evening for fun writing something for medium which like has you know I didn't have previously and so I I just have been thinking a lot about like maybe continuing this sort of lifestyle into the summer and the fall actually I also have just spent so little money which is so amazing and it's such a great time because I'm right like bootstrapping a real scalable business right now so it also helps yeah. me get the business more runway because i'm barely spending any money um right. so anyway that's what i've been thinking about i love it as a you know kind of a weird introvert uh extrovert like i don't really socially want to go out and see people that aren't like if i have to go out to dinner or a dinner or something like that i'm not going to be like hey listen let's go out and have a dinner i'm just kind of i'm a person who doesn't want to do all that all the time like i'll do it with mm-hmm. my wife and i'll do it with my friends that i want to see but like there's people who are like hey let's go out to dinner and have a dinner i'm like yeah listen i don't want to this is a great excuse this is a really great excuse for me <laughs> that's true so that because i'm like hey listen no no it's covid19 it, it far into like right. 2030 when a vaccine happens and like all the things and like covid19 is behind like, us i'm gonna be like yeah, ooh, yeah yeah guys i'm <laughs> Still living a different lifestyle because, you know, just my mind, I can't possibly wrap my head around like <laughs> yeah, visiting anybody outside excuse. of my Finn Bruce, right? It's, just, yeah. it's such a canned, <laughs> it's so it's such funny. a canned bullshit excuse. Because I'm like the absolute opposite in this situation. Like, I really love being out all the time yeah. and seeing, you know, because of just there's so many people and I love like at the end of a day, oh, this person's around. Let me go meet them for a drink and an appetizer or whatever. And this is just yeah. interrupting that impulse. But in a way that I don't mind. Do you know what I mean? I kind Kind of to yeah. be honest with you, can't imagine going back to the that sort of like life I was living before this, which there was nothing wrong with it and it was a blast. But like, I kind of can't even wrap my head around like a week in which I'm out five nights of the seven nights to see right. different people. And you know how much money you're going to save? Oh, I'm I do because I have already. I know because I'm not spending any money. It's like groceries and bourbon. <laughs> That sounds exactly right for you. Yeah. The two main food groups in your life. Exactly. <laughs> Bourbon being at the at the bottom of the pyramid. That's right. If you wanna if you think that that's the yeah, that's Oh exactly Lord. Right. So we got a great guest today. His name is Brian Myers Cooper. And for all of you actors out there, like myself and like Jess, uh, people who want to know about unions, want to know how about the inner workings of things, and you wanna know about uh, just kind of a little little peek backstage. We got to go. We got the guy for you today. So we've in these COVID conversations, which is like the last five, I think, of these episodes, we've been mm-hmm. talking about the future of different industries with people who have already reimagined their industries to start with. And so it felt to us like we had to do an episode uh, about Actors Equity Association, which is the union for theater actors, because we are in an insane time right now for our union. And it's going to define the next, you know, decade of our lives as actors and stage managers and how we work and where we work and and how that all is pulled together. So made a little phone call and got our friend Brian Myers Cooper on uh, Brian Myers the line. Coop. <laughs> Brian Myers Cooper. Brian Myers. I'm Brian calling Mike. him Brian Myers. 
ride my coop. From now on, you have to. Yeah. Brian spent 27 years as a professional actor. I met him doing a production of Peter and the Starcatcher. And he's amazing because along the way, he's also become a writer, director, dramaturg, and an acting coach. I mean, he's also just a longtime labor advocate, and he has an insanely broad knowledge of business and of live theater. Um, Speaking, he lives, his partner is in the theater, and I've worked with him a handful of times, as we all, you know, probably have. He's a a fucking genius actor. But he served for 12 years in the National Council of Actors Equity Association. It is a trustee currently for the Equity League Pension Health and Trust Fund. It's... The guy does everything. He's one of the smartest he people. Does. And he does. And he does everything. He does Just everything. like everybody on this podcast, I feel I like. I know, right? It's so um, wild. Everybody's <laughs> got their hat, like multiple hats that they pull on and off at all times. It's so, kind of so inspiring. And so one of the reasons we did this really quickly and got it up is because we're about to have an election um, for Actors' Equity. And so this episode's sort of like a, a double header for you guys. I think for the actors and stage managers or anyone who's thinking about this, you know, understanding more deeply how equity works is really uh, helpful. And we definitely get into that stuff in the episode. Cause even like, I didn't know some of this stuff and I feel like I'm pretty well, you know, attuned First, to it. Yeah. Yeah. But even for those of you who listen, who aren't actors and stage managers, you know, this is a time for the arts where patronage and, and also just like advocacy and allyship from people who love to go to the arts is going to be such an important part of our rebuilding. And Andrew and I thought that it would be really cool for you guys to learn a little more about like the inner workings, like Andrew was saying earlier, of our union and how actors get paid and what the challenges are we face. Um, because we think that just makes you ultimately a stronger advocate for live theater. Yeah, I mean, this guy's lobbied for, you know, he, he was at the forefront of Fair Wage on stage for the opera by contracts for um, this guy single-handed has brought together some of the biggest union deals that we've seen in the past decade. Mm-hmm. And he's got it. Like I said, he's got an uh, insane knowledge for what we do, how we do it. He respects both sides, but he sees that there is a void and we mm-hmm. have to course correct a little bit now in these times. And it's a perfect time to do it because we're, we're at a point now where we're, we need to shake up uh, what is going and we and since now we put pause on everything now it's time yeah. to go back and reflect on what's broken so that we can fix it to build a stronger future and I think that's like one of those things that I'm looking forward to most about this episode yeah and he I just as a like a little piece of punctuation this is his writing it's what he told us in his onboard for this podcast episode this is sort of his you know mission at the heart of running for equity council with the rest of the fair wage on council crew uh, in an unprecedented time where every stage in the country is dark for an unknowable amount of time and where any return to normalcy feels uncertain rebuilding and reimagining live theater will be job one of actors equity making sure that stage managers and actors are at the center of this new frontier is an essential part of that picture and is at the heart of the fair wage ethos. Just as a side note, all of you guys out there, we wanted to say that uh, here at Take Me to Coffee, we do things very bipartisan by the book and whatnot. Brian Myers Cooper is by no means an official spokesperson for equity or anything that is said herein, heretofore, uh, <laughs> will not be used against him for any... You know, <laughs> particular reason in a lawful manner uh we are we're we're just getting some insight we just want to hear one person's view and by no means are we endorsing him you can choose who you want for president you can choose who you want for equity council so we really don't give a shit about that we're just here to get the information out and that's what we do here on this podcast we're so excited for you to listen to this. And don't forget, after you're done, follow us on social to leave questions for upcoming guests, watch exclusive video clips, and suggest amazing people we should have coffee with in the future. We hope that you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Brian Myers Cooper. Hey.
no, nice. and there's no like structure there's no real no. you know let's just be kind of <laughs> yeah, no yeah, there's no, no clapping no nothing <laughs> like that yeah this is super professional well, sometimes we clap yeah we yeah. do sometimes we do but we only clap for each that's other. That's true. We're having a proper, um, this is, I think, is this the first time we've done like a Sunday morning take me to coffee episode where we're actually all having our coffee together? Yeah, it's been so long since we've actually on take me Cheers, to coffee had coffee. everyone. I know. <laughs> it is It is 11.15 EST and we are finally having coffee. Brian, what kind of coffee do you are you drinking currently in your quarantine? Uh, I am drinking uh, Brooklyn, Ro- Brooklyn Coffee Roasters. Um, I think it's yeah. an Ethiopian blend. Um, which mm. is mm. delicious. And I got it in New York before I came to Ohio. I'm in Ohio right now. Oh, right. Um, oh, yeah. I, okay. I moved to Ohio last week uh, because my sister is a single mom of a toddler and she's a nurse in a hospital, a uh, labor and delivery nurse. And uh. Uh, she, her, her childcare uh, crapped out. They, they quit several weeks ago and she was yeah. going to have to quit her job. Because she didn't have childcare, because uh, there's no daycare that takes children for 13 hours a day uh, right. and on weekends. Um, oh that was, I, get, I think the closest one was over 45 minutes from her house, which was then another 45 minutes to the hospital. And she has to be at work at like, you know, 650 in the morning. So, I mean, all told, Emerson, my niece would have been in care for like 15 hours a day. Right. It was, oh, it was just untenable. God. It's just unfair. So, it's not even fair. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, uh, you know, I had always thought, I mean, she works in a hospital. It's sort of a matter of time before her exposure may get her sick. Uh, And I was like, the second you feel ill, call me. I'm on a plane. Um, And uh, turns out that that wasn't the case. Uh, The second all your babysitters quit, (laughs) call me. And I I was on a plane. And so here I am, basically uh, a a full-time nanny on, on her when she's working. Uh, it's, that's wild. Uh, which of, of a of a two and a half year old, which is which is wild. Yeah. I've watched her over the over her two year life. I've been out here maybe ten times for like uh-huh. three day stretches when she was working like two or three days in a stretch, and I would like have some quality time with her, and it was delicious. It was wonderful. Uh, this is all different. <laughs> Jesus, she is still delightful and wonderful, but oh my lord. She's got opinions now. <laughs> she's uh, got opinions, right? right. And she's oh, got a little personality. Oh, oh. Okay. Oh yeah, it is. It is stunning to just be a witness and a part of it, and just in, in a struggle just to keep her alive. Honestly, to keep her from like diving <laughs> off of furniture. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> she's she's fast. She is. <laughs> yeah, she right. Uncle Brian moving. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on here. I, that's an immense, that's an immense culture disruption, like in 360. That's what I think about when I listen to that story. It's like, bam, pandemic hits, New York shuts down, our jobs as actors gone. And then a move to Ohio, a temporary move to Ohio, totally different. Plus basically being a full-time parent for the first time with no warning. Like that's. So much change, Brian. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it just highlights the change that everyone is going. Uh, yeah, you know, my sister is here in Columbus. Yeah. Ohio has a very different um, uh, pandemic. Um, their governor has been really good, but their Melissa's hospital nice. is is inundated. They are you know rationing uh, PPE uh, just like every other hospital, um, and it is just as dangerous. And they do have COVID cases, so uh, not in the labor and delivery unit per se, but. You know, it's just a matter of time before they have a mother come in who's sick or, yeah. or a father accompanying a mother who's sick. Um, and, you know, so, so her life changed so that she was going to have to quit her job. 
Right. And and do I don't like like ride it out and hope she, hope that she you know made it yeah um, to the other side or or found something else that she could do like from home or something. I don't, yeah, but you think you think you think about it, and there's a lot of people who aren't in the same situation as she, as she is, who has somebody who's willing to come home and take care of the take care of the child, you know, like a good uncle or something. But there's a lot of people I in know. the same situation. Like my heart goes out to those people who have to navigate this new new um, time that we're in right now, trying to figure out how I work and support paycheck to paycheck most situations, and then how I come back to my house, but also find a way to keep my kid alive especially at two years old. That's insane. <laughs> and, and don't you think it's interesting that, that this is also highlighted how, how, um, how broken our economic system mm, is yeah. uh, in the, in, at the height of the, the best economy in, in decades. Yep. Um, it turns out that uh, tens of millions of people were really only one paycheck away from uh, financial ruin. Right. I mean, it's built on a house of cards, and you think about that, yeah. And the disparity yeah. of wealth that's going on, yeah. it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. I saw today that they're estimating that 35 to 45% of Americans are unemployed right now, at, yep. and the depression yep. was only 25% of everybody, which I didn't know that, actually. Oh, when yeah. I read that, I was like... Whoa, because it's such a story for us because we're so far generations removed right, from the right. Great Depression that it, it to yeah. find out that there was that that deep of a story about that time and and we have <laughs> twice that amount of unemployment is <laughs> so scary. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, this is this is like our Great Depression and our World War Two. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The, the cause that we all rally yeah. around and and the economic uh, devastation. It's it's uh, generations have gone without having that. Right. Um, and so we've, for, we've forgotten yeah. what yeah. it is. Right. 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 Well, let's, I want to, I want to kind of discuss the, the family dynamic and like how babysitting works and all that fun stuff is like, um, uh, so you uprooted yourself. So what does that mean for your partner? What does that mean for, um, the, your life? Because are you, you're able to work from home. What, 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 how, how has that shifted in your, in your paradigm? Uh, well, I mean, it's everything. So, uh, Orville and you, you yeah, know, Orville. and hello to Orville, by the way, because I fucking times. love him. I love you guys. I love him. It's, uh, so Orville Mendoza is my, my husband. He is back in New York with our, our fur baby daughter, Kat, yeah. um, who is completely dissatisfied with his parenting skills. By the way. It's, it's sad. You heard it here first folks. It's, it's. I check in and I try to, I try to explain to her, but uh, <laughs> she know, doesn't speak English. I mean, she just doesn't speak. It's, it's a series of mews um, and mouths or like, what is it? Is so it? he's there. Uh, we're both unemployed. Uh, I mean, we both lost work yeah. because of this. Um, uh, and you know, and everything that goes along with that. Uh, so we're both unemployed. Um, I get this call. And so I was on a plane to come to Columbus last, last Friday. And on, I watched Emerson on, she had actually already quit the job. Oh my god! And, uh, yeah. The day before, the day before, uh, it it was to take effect. The day before her last day, she she said, "I I just can't, I can't not be yeah. here during a pandemic. I can't not be where I'm meant to be." Amazing. Yeah. And she called me and she said, "I mean, I you know, I know she she didn't want to call me. I know she just put it off. I mean, she just didn't want to impose on me. But in the end, uh, her conscience spoke to her and." She made the call and I'm like, great, I'll be there. So she was put back on the schedule for last weekend. Uh, she worked Saturday, Sunday. So I got here on Friday, uh, showered, washed everything I owned, uh, 
uh, and so that I could, because as soon as Melissa comes home from the hospital, she has to shower before she mm-hmm. sees Emerson. Right. Um, it's just, and I, I was coming from New York in a plane. So I, you know, I, I saw her and immediately went to the washer and just stripped and washed. And, and the next day I started, uh, caring for her. She gets up around anywhere between eight and nine. Um, she's up for roughly 12 hours. She has one nap now. She used to have two. That was so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> So there's barely enough time to like for the stage manager to reset for the sure, second sure, yeah, right. uh, in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you pray for two, maybe two and a half hours, but it, sometimes you get an hour, an hour and a half, and Ooh. you know you're going to get one, a cranky toddler, yeah. and two, you're not yeah. done. So you'll 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 be back to those dishes or whatever it was you were doing. Um, my sister said, "My God, these last this year from January on, I have not gotten anything done." on the days that I'm with her, mm. that I'm home. I mean, it's, it is, she has to get up at like five 30 as if she's going to work on days she's home with Emerson, just so she has a couple of hours to, you know, unload the dishwasher and do a right. load of laundry and, and mop the floors or anything, anything like that. Yeah. Because when you're with her, it is just impossible to, um, I, I mean, you get some stuff done, but it's so interrupted. My first day, okay, coming out here, I need an internet. I need it. Right. Yeah. right. Um, I do, I do, gra- I do graphics projects and everything I do is over if Zoom. If you're now. listening, he had the crazy in his eyes when Brian yeah. said, I need the internet. <laughs> I have to have it. I need the <laughs> internet. Line. And, and, and her internet, her internet famously sucks uh, or did. Yeah. Um, but she apparently was actually on quite a nice plan, but her router and her Outdated modem have never been updated. And so, I hate that. I hate when they do that. And so, <laughs> So, uh, so, you know, they sold her a better plan, but they didn't, they didn't say, oh, by the way, uh, you're actually going to need some new equipment to, so this was years. Um, so she, uh, did that, called them. They told her what router to get. She got it off, off of Amazon. It was, it was, uh, came on Sunday, my second day of caring, uh, for Emerson. And, uh, and then I had to install it because on Monday, um, I had a huge, I had a website to do and graphics to do, um, and a zoom meeting and lots of, lots of other stuff a whole day of mm-hmm. of of work um so while i was watching her i was also dealing with customer service for a cable internet company <laughs> it's like the seventh um, ring of cause, hell because <laughs> that's fun and 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 transferring you know 15 digit uh, random passwords um onto multiple devices <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> all the while you know having a two and a half year old try to also help uh-huh, yeah um, <laughs> it's uh it it was it was challenging (laughs) Mm. (laughs) um uh mentally uh anyway that i mean it 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 is what it is they're they're long delightful days um and and they're much the same um for her that they always were you know there's a little outside time there's a little tv time there's a a lot of play time there's three meals and two snacks and a nap. And then there's another day and she's thrilled about it. (laughs) And I get to be a part of it. Now, when she's actually, when she actually knows who I am, a distinct person, I have a, I have an Mm. identity to her, not just a job function. She used to call me mommy (laughs) because I was doing the mommy things. Now she calls me Munkle. <gasps> yeah. I'm, mommy I'm, Uncle. So she has my mommy and my Munkle. Oh. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. That's uh, uh, so now we have a relationship. Oh, right? that's so special. Uh, that we never had that we never had in I her just mind. Died. And so I'm gonna be here oh. for weeks, a couple of months, uh, getting to be a part of her life and establishing that relationship that because if I want to be a part of her life when she's 16, 
I need to start now. Right. Yeah. yeah. That that starts right. now. Um, and and I get, I yeah, I get to really really pile on the the uh, the bad influence. On <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. I, I she gets away with nothing with me. I know all of mommy's rules, <laughs> and she tested every single one of them. <laughs> Melissa said she can't climb on this. She can't go in here. She can't do this. She can't do that. The first day, she did every single one of those yeah, you things. Gotta, you got to test the boundaries of the new caregiver. Yeah. Or she'd be in the other room, and I'd be like, Emerson, and I'd hear, <gasps> oh, which geez. is a dead giveaway. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> we're in trouble. Emerson. <laughs> she's also honing her skills for a nefarious business. She is. I mean, pushing and the boundaries. she's very, very good at it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it runs in the family. <laughs> Oh, thanks. That's an excellent segue, actually, into why we invited Brian Myers Cooper to come and have coffee with us today. So both Andrew and I have worked with Brian or his husband or and his husband in Andrew's case in some capacity. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but for me, when we, Brian and I got to do a show together, I I learned so much about our union from him because Brian has had a long, incredible history as an advocate, representative, and change maker with the union that governs stage work for actors and stage managers. Um, and I know that it's something right now that people in our industry are all swirling around with questions, you know, surrounding what Andrew was just talking about. And for people who live, listen to the podcast who are patrons of the arts, um, we thought it would be really neat to like uh, let you in on a little bit of like what we're looking at inside our industry right now as everything is disrupted. So Brian, will you just start by telling everybody just a tiny bit about your work and, and your, how that's connected to your work with equity and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've spent the last 20 years um, as a basically a labor advocate serving uh, the union in first on committees, uh, then negotiating teams. And eventually I was elected to the National Council and I served uh, on the National Council for uh, 12 years, seven years as a uh, principal counselor and five as a chorus counselor. And all of that work um, led up to the 2016 off-Broadway negotiations where we um, changed uh, that marketplace and increase those wages by 32 to 83% in a single contract cycle uh, of four Mic years. Mic drop. Um, I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, if, if you know anything about um, uh, collective bargaining, if you have a four-year deal, you're lucky to be looking at nine or 10% nice. over the four years. Yeah. Um, we we move the needle, uh, you know, 15 years into the future uh, or went back and, 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 and uh, corrected. 15 years into the past and course yeah. corrected. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, it was a big deal. Um, and along the way, I, um, I met some amazing people who ended up being uh, the biggest support and leverage I had as the leader of the team that, that, uh, that negotiated that deal. I, um, and uh, that turned into the fair wage movement, uh, and so my husband, uh, that that movement started with the, that negotiation, but it actually started long before that, about eight or nine months before that. My husband did a show where he was getting minimum wage, which was like ten and change in New York at the time. So his his take home his, his take home from his gross, which was under three hundred, was uh, um, like 
it, it was it was not a lot of money. This was a show. He was doing a show. This was a show here yeah, in New so York. So if you're listening, his husband has done a bazillion Broadway shows. Like he's not a dude who like is out yeah, on his no, first try right. for minimum wage. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and 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 this business is not a meritocracy. You you can be you can be uh, you know earning a lot of money on Broadway. Um, on you know one job and the next job um, can be a minimum wage yeah. job at a very prestigious theater working with really yeah. world class artists. But for for change. at that time, especially pocket um, nearly nothing, yes. um, and so I met a I met a guy in that cast um, named Jeff Beale, uh, who was to- told me about these actors who were getting together in Carson Elrod's um, living room, and I knew Carson for for years. I worked with him like fifteen or so years ago, um, and they were not getting together to complain about their plight. And how unfair it was. They 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 did something that we've come to term um, blue sky. I love that. They were like, well, oh. what if, what if this were perfect? What if this were perfect? What would that even look like? Like, um, I love that. and you know, so I I and I prepping for these for these um, negotiations uh, jumped on that, and so I had yeah. staff bring those bring those folks in, call Carson, get those folks in here for a very long meeting, and they had a list of like twenty one things that really needed to be addressed and what they thought they should look like in like if if it wasn't that this is unfair and we need to fix it, it was this is where this really needs to be. Um, in order for us to have dignity, in order for us to have lives, in order for us to have security, um, and it, it ranged from everything from from uh, discrimination of of women and parents in this business uh, to to wages, which was their number one item. And when they got down to that item, they said, "We would gladly put aside all these other twenty things if this one thing moved enough to make a difference." To give us a living wage and actually pay our bills yeah. while we're actually working at the theaters, as opposed to we are subsidizing the theater's business model by paying our credit, paying our bills on credit cards mm-hmm. or using our savings or not making that yeah. IRA payment uh, contribution this year, which then turns into tens of thousands of dollars of lost retirement income, you know, a few decades down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's unsustainable. Um, and I heard that. And, and frankly, I was... I was thrilled because that was exactly uh, what I needed in order to move the needle. I needed that leverage. I needed that passion. And they became the Off-Broadway Working uh, working Group, um, an action group, uh, they were Off-Broadway Action Group uh, during those negotiations. And they wrote letters. They did social media. They made over 200 videos uh, of people just detailing how um, the financial impacts of working um, as a, as a ostensibly from from the outside, uh, a very successful off Broadway actor working in prestigious mm-hmm. theaters on world world class world premiere um, uh, productions yeah. uh, that you've all heard of, um, and and they were earning um, less than their monthly net. In every case, it was it, no matter how far up the line they were, it wasn't enough to uh, it wasn't enough to be a living wage in New York City. 
And with that leverage, we were able to move the needle by, you know, 32 to 83%. And, and I would say at least the top third of that at least is over what at that time was the $1,100 mark, which was termed a, a living wage in New York to actually <laughs> pay rent and live and, right. uh, uh, you know, pay your bills um, at a minimum, um, which is high. Uh, maybe, uh, but it's, you know, New York is very expensive. Um, and, and, and that, and that was uh, a net amount too. That's what Jesus, you actually had to have. Right. Um, and our salaries, our salaries didn't even approach that on a gross amount right? Um, right. at the time. Yeah. Um, and they, and most of them were in the lower to middle, um, of that, which was, uh, just under $600 to like maybe 750. Um, and there were, and there were contracts that were less than that too, uh, ranging down to about 350. Uh, and all of those ended up, um, getting increased that year, New York state increased their minimum wage, uh, over three years. Um, it was pretty, mm, it, right. and it was pretty key to my strategy, uh, because that meant that those theaters on the lowest end we're going to see a 66% increase over three years. Yeah. And if they could absorb that, if they could do that, then I, that I felt it was, um, unfair to allow the middle and upper players to do less. Right. So if you're going to raise the basement by 66%, you can't leave the middle right. and the roof where it is because you're just compressing mm -hmm. wages and, and making things worse. So, uh, you know, that was, that was a great argument and it all worked out. And those people went on, <laughs> they were psyched. They were, they were very empowered after, after that, um, that win. Uh, and they went on to run for council themselves the next year. Um, I was off council by then and I stepped away to do other things, um, with my time, uh, not the least of which is spend time with my family. Um, but, uh, they went on and they took all of that and started injecting that into the governance. And I was, if, if that off-Broadway negotiation and the fact that those people, um, these brilliant, uh, resourceful, uh, passionate people, um, uh, ran for office successfully and started affecting real change, if that was my legacy from my time uh, in governance, I was, I was happy with that. Yeah. Job well done. And I walked yeah. away. Um, now it's four years later though. And, uh, and, I'm running and I'm running alongside them as, as a part of their, uh, their slate. Uh, and I could not be prouder. So could you explain, and this is actually, uh, I, I'd be very easy for me to be like, explain for the people listening who don't know, but truly I have some <laughs> gaps as well. So here's, here's what I know. I know you're an actor, you become a working actor enough that you would like to join the union because you would like it to be a sustainable job for yourself. The union negotiates on behalf of our work and our contracts, but that's sort of like when you say there's a there's councils like what does that fucking mean <laughs> you know what do you do what is a council doing in the guise of our actors equity union um yeah uh so our our national council is our is our board is our board of trustees or board of directors or um uh, whatever of our union that's what we call it they're elected um they don't get paid uh so there are officers in in every region and national officers uh, and, uh, and there are regional boards in our three regions, um, and together collectively, they make up the national council all told there are 83 of them, uh, which is a, a, a large group for a governing body. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's a diverse group geographically and in every other way. 
Um, and right. we need those voices uh, in the room in order to be able to craft policy that actually addresses um, everyone's needs from uh, from chorus performers to stage managers to uh, people working in Minneapolis and Dallas and San Francisco, as well as people who are working in New York and Chicago and L.A. Um, if we don't really hear from those people directly uh, than the policies we make. And for decades, this was true, um, are de facto discriminatory, though they were never meant to be that way. They were crafted mm -hmm. uh, around a very uh, a very specific point of view um, lens, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, so having those voices in the room uh, is really important. Um, in fact, we just set aside nine council seats in this election um, for at-large people who don't live in Chicago, LA, or, or uh, New York. Super Great. cool. Because it's so important to point out, like, especially in New York, for and again, this is on the patrons of the art side, there's this, like, a lot of times it feels that, like I hear people voice their opinions about the theater and arts based on their experience at Broadway and off-Broadway, yeah, which has just nearly little or nothing to do with like a theater in Kansas City and the way their business is running or what it's like to be an actor in that market or anybody else on the creative yeah. production. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We, we, we have conversations all the time that, that take a New York-centric turn and, uh, and without those other voices in the room to say, wait a second, um, you know, here in St. Louis, uh, this is the way it is. And this is our, these are our priorities. These are our concerns. Um, and, and it, it has been invaluable having more and more of those people in the room over the last, uh, over the last 10 years, especially in the last five. Uh, and this year will be, um, a really big step forward in that those perspectives, uh, are just vital. If you want to create policy that, that actually, uh, addresses a national membership's needs. Um, Wow. Pretty fun. Yeah. No, that's exciting uh, stuff. So what the council does, uh, so they 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 uh, decide all of the relevant policy. Um, so yes, the contractors are negotiated by teams of members and staff and professionals, uh, attorneys. Um, and But council is responsible for signing off on all of those uh, that uh, before they go to ratification to the membership, uh, and only a couple of the contracts do that. Um, they decide all relevant policy, uh, audition policy, um, public policy, uh, and the staff uh, who are paid, our executive director uh, is in charge of our staff, our senior staff, our business reps, our business associates, um, our support staff. Uh, we actually have, uh, you know, several union unions working for union members working for us in various capacities yeah. uh, that we bargain with, uh, because yes, we are a union house. Yeah, right. <laughs> we are a yeah. union, yeah. and we're a union. <laughs> we're we're a multi-union house. Yeah. So so staff implements all of those policies. They they uh, administer those contracts. They enforce those contracts uh, with every employer. We have like two thousand employers across the country, um, uh, very different, ranging from like storefronts. Um, and basements to Broadway. So uh, it's it's quite the gamut. I'm just trying to take all that information. Yeah, right. You're welcome for your equity lesson, everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's... <laughs> Right. If you're if you're in some place that's like, you know, you've been in that theater and you hear all these actors are like, oh, my God, you know, why don't I have this or I don't have that or I do this thing and you go, well, why aren't you an advocate? You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many times and I've been on the phone with Brian and I've been like, I've been like, God, I'll complain and complain and complain like actors do. And you go, well, what change do you want to see? And then they just can't explain it. You know, you're like, well, I want this thing. Yeah. And you go, 
I don't know yeah. what that is exactly. And you're like, well, I can't change anything if you don't explain it. But then you've got all these people right. from different theaters and different avenues just to tie this all back in is that you've got all these different perspectives. And then you have people who've been in the same situation as you. And hopefully we can find a nice symbiosis. And I want to say this to all of our friends out there who are actors. This union works extremely hard. There is a lot of voices. There are a lot of like <laughs> yeah. kerfuffle in the room. And you've got to understand that like, it's not easy. It is not easy for, for these counselors, for these people who are, for our president, our, you know, our board members and everybody like that to hear so many voices filter through that and then try to elicit positive change that's not just monetary, right? It's like, it's everything trying to fix the yeah. whole world yeah. in one scope and one contract negotiation is like, it's impossible. So it's going to take time. I loved, I love to now, especially, um, after, after the fair wage, the first fair wage, yeah. um, uh, movement. I I love to turn those discussions around into blue sky. Yes, that we're we're, we're yeah, stealing we're fully that. Just so that. you know, hopefully you don't have that trademark that or anything because so we're good. fully stealing it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, it it is trademark, but we have really good subscription rates for usage. Um, oh, no, 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 okay, I'll give you ten dollars today. Like, why is this podcast paying a ten dollars subscription to use the phrase blue sky? <laughs> Unlimited usage. So. But, but I, yeah, I like to turn it around and say, yeah, all of those things are wrong. But but what does perfect look like for you? Yeah. Like you don't have to solve everyone's problems, but I really want to hear, oh. like just for you, what would what would really work for you? And and you really kind of have to. It's a hard thing to wrap your brain around um, blue skying something that would actually work for you, as opposed to fixing something that exists. Uh, or fighting something that exists or, or, you know, playing the victim or, mm -hmm. or feeling victimized by, by injustice. Um, it's very difficult to say, you know, I wish it were like this. I wish this happened and then this happened and I didn't have to be involved in this. And then I got paid that. All that is, is on, that is entrepreneurial in its essence. That is innovation. That is what we do every day. Those of mm -hmm. us who have businesses, right. Where we're looking to see, here's how it is. Here's like these things that I see that are missing or that could, we could make for someone. And what can I make? That's all it is. It's, it's just, it's the same skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I want for everyone to be able to do that. I'm I, like, I just, uh, well, yeah. so do I, so do we, I think it's one of those things that we've also <laughs> been, we've also trained ourselves as, you know, performers and actors and people, um, in that way is because the, 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 the infrastructure has been in place for so long and it's changed so very little until recently is that we look Bingo. at it and you go, Bingo. Oh my God, this is the, this is how I wish this was different. I wish that, but you go, you go, but the balloon is so much bigger than that. If you're inside of it and you look at the, the upper echelon of the balloon, I'm sorry, this is a fucking terrible analogy. But if you look at the upper echelon of the balloon and you're like, <laughs> I wish I could have that part of the balloon and you go, Oh fuck, well, how am I going to get up there? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know how to build a ladder inside this. You know, it's, it's like so silly where you go, I've never had to think outside of the box because the box has been so limited. Yeah. And it, yeah, the, the disempowerment, yes, I imagine, right. right? Anyway, like of actors and pe artists in particular is also sort of a fence in some ways to being able to access that skill set because that you don't know is there because you're already feeling so disempowered from all the different aspects of how our business right, actually right. works. Yeah. I yeah. always, I, I struggle with the thing and I, I would love to hear your thoughts <laughs> on this, Brian. I know we chatted about it and to go, to go back to this and then I have another thought um, to go back to this. I know we had a conversation about fair wage cause I was doing a show with uh, Orville, your husband. Um, and we, you had, we had talked at one point about like, what, what is the ideal for you? And I literally had no answers. 
I was just like most of these people that you probably talked to where I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like for me, it's different than a lot of other people. Like I work pretty regularly and I, I make a pretty decent living doing a lot of different, different things, not just theater. I do a lot of things in the creative arts. And I was like, I, I don't know what perfect looks like. Like, I don't know, you know, I was doing currently, I was doing an off Broadway show at that point, And I was like, I honestly don't even have the words for it. I don't have the scope for it. And this was what, seven, eight years ago. And I was like, and now since, since I've thought about it, I have a whole new perspective because you turned my mind with the blue skying, you've turned my mind upside mm-hmm. down in the way that I even think about negotiating for myself as a business, for the things that I want in my contracts and for the things that I see younger people. I I'm, t- I'm personally taking it as my mantle to be like, if we're in a reading or something, you know, and somebody's got questions, I'll be like, well, Hey, listen, what do you want from this? How do you, and I'll ask those questions as opposed to like, well, then tell somebody that you don't like that. It's not that it's not telling somebody what the no one cares exactly. Like Nobody gives a shit. It's like, what do you want from it? And then we can go through the paths and the stepping stones of eliciting a change that you want to see. Yeah. And the first, the first change is identifying that. What are my needs? Mm-hmm. What are my wants? Right. Um, and, and just, just manifesting that, mm-hmm. just putting it out there. This is what they are. This is what I need right now. Um, uh, am I getting that? Yes or no? No. Okay. Well, this is where I need to be. Yeah. Um, and that changes everything. Light at the end of the tunnel is super important, uh, when you're in the darkness. Mm. So if you don't know what the light is, you're never going to be able, I think that's one of the things that's so difficult right now is that we don't, everything is so uncertain Mm -hmm. right now. We just don't, there, there is no light. There's no expert that can tell us with some, any certainty what next month is going to be like, let alone what next year is going to be like, yeah. or how long any of this is going to take or what, what safe, um, what a safe workplace no data looks. patterns there's, to analyze. There's zero, <laughs> there's zero. Um, and so we're all in this dark vacuum of information. Um, and it's very, very difficult to navigate, uh, on a daily basis, light at the end of the tunnel, um, when you just know what that is and you know it exists, even if it's far away, it matters. Right. There's a sense of purpose yeah, in, in, in there. There's of, a finality. Yeah. You know that something's coming. It may change its course, but you know that there's like an end point. And I think if a lot of our listeners and people out there are just, there will be an end to this. It will end. It may look different than you imagine yeah. it now or what we've seen in the past, but there will be an end and it will it will come at a time that it's meant to come. Like it's not going to be soon. It may not be. Hopefully it's soon. You can pray for those things and you can hope for those things, but we don't know. There's more questions than answers at this point. What's it like, you know, prepping, are you not prepping? Cause you are currently in the middle of running for equity, knowing that you are about to, if you win your seat, you are walking into a, probably the most important two years in like imaginable history of equity. I, I cause my brain immediately, I want to know what, you know, what does it feel like to be able to be a leader in that blue sky vision? What does it feel like to know that there's going to be a, a lot of like tension because equity can be slow about progress, uh, you know, in, in the world and technology, what does it feel like to, to feel the pressure? You know what I mean? Of knowing that an entire industry depends on what this union does in the next two years. Um, well, uh, that's, that's a lot. And, and <laughs> yeah, um, please, it's exactly try, why. Try and unpack that <laughs> no, no, it's a, suitcase. So, so, so I stepped away, I stepped away for a while. Um, and I was happy to do that. Um, but, but honestly, uh, the thing that really galvanized me was, was these next two years. 
um, it's going to be so, so important. And talk about a light at the end of the tunnel. So fair wage gives me a light at the end of the tunnel. I know what mm. blue, the blue sky looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, but right now I know that the next two years are going to be very different from that. I know that they're going to be very challenging on, a, on so many levels. Um, so anyone who is elected in this cycle or, or anyone who is remains on council, cause it's, it's every other, uh, it, only half the people are up for election, um, every other year, those people are going to have to, um, rebuild and reinvent whole segments of our industry. Um, it's, it's just, it, it's not going I'm to be so the same. Excited. But I, but here's the thing: I don't want to put the pieces back together in the same way, because I don't want the normal that we left in February. Um, as as good as that was, in whatever ways that it was good, and there are many ways that it was good. Um, uh, this this pandemic um, has unveiled, as it has nationally, the the cracks in the system. Um, thing, things like, well, uh, we are really only one or two paychecks from financial ruin. Um, right. and that is, uh, that is ever so much more, um, uh, ap applicable to, uh, artists in the gig economy, mm -hmm. uh, when you don't know when you're going to work next. Um, and, uh, and this industry is experiencing 100% unemployment. I can't think of a time when a union faced a membership of 50 of 52,000 members nationwide where they oh were every single one of them were unemployed for the foreseeable future with no end date in sight. Right. And uh and you know and I'm I'm ponying up uh to put my <laughs> put my uh hat in the yeah. ring to to lead this but I think the opportunity I think the opportunities that come with this I mean uh to to uh, nurture those theaters that are going to need help. I mean, we're there, and and there, it's going to be difficult for our bargaining partners. Mm -hmm. um, it is. We know that they're struggling just to keep their doors open in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they've laid off most of their staffs at at uh, at, at most institutions nationwide. Every stage is dark, um, and basically they're they're just doing what they have to do to keep the lights on uh, with no rev with no revenue. Uh, or, or, or limited, very, yeah, limited revenue, curtailed right. revenue. Yeah. I mean, their, their corporate revenue, their, their donor, the revenue I'm sure is down because of the uncertainty. It's, uh, they are, they are, uh, down to, uh, basic austerity, uh, operations. So they're going to come back and some of them will come back faster than others. And some of them will need more help. Um, and, uh, that off-Broadway negotiation strategy has turned into a thing called judge it by the budget, which is where we look at each theater. Uh, and it's an official policy that the council passed last year um, from my fair wage friends, uh, where we look at each theater holistically, not their box office or not just their box office and not just their seating capacity to figure out where we fit in to have awesome. to be paid a commensurately fair portion of their ability to pay mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Um, that's that's just as true in this rebuilding. We're going to have theaters that come back faster, um, and uh, and they're going to do it on the backs of the people who are uh, producing the work or who are doing the work every night, mm -hmm. who are people who are paying to come and see. Um, and we may need to partner and cooperate um, industry wide in ways that we would never have done otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. There may be contract renegotiations. There may be reopenings. Um, of contracts and and there may be temporary measures to help those theaters but the reality is um 
the old normal is not where we need to end up. Uh, and as theaters, as theaters recover, um, we want to be a commensurately and fairly uh, paid part of that recovery. Uh, so, uh, you know, while they're recovering on the backs of our labor, uh, we we want them to know that um, that they then need to make sure that they don't leave us behind. Yeah, uh, because that is a very easy thing uh, to happen where you where you where you make a concession um, and then return back to normal, but you never regain that lost time. And uh, you never, right. you never move forward. You know, you, you just, you don't get that back. Um, also, I think that there's a, a lot of reinventing to be done. I think there's uh, the, the old normal didn't work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, if you're, if you're a woman, a person of color, uh, in this industry, you face challenges that, um, that I, uh, can only imagine. Uh, well, I don't have to imagine because my husband is brown, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and has faced and does face uh, uh, all of those issues in terms of casting, in terms of opportunity, in terms of um, uh, uh, body issues, as far as far as skin color, as as far as ethnicity. It it is um, it is a very complicated uh, web of interconnected. Uh, issues that are systemic societal and are distilled in our industry mm -hmm. because we yeah. become, we become archetypes, um, in our medium. Uh, and those archetypes are based on our societal dysfunction. Uh, so, uh, you know, having the opportunity to really, when we rebuild, build that into the new system. That's it. This disruption, right? Disruption means you get to disrupt when things are disrupted, you get to disrupt them further because there aren't any rules anymore. Yeah. We have to rebuild the rules. Yeah. This is sort of like a systemic strike. Yeah. Um, in contract yeah. terms. Like if you go on strike, yeah. you force everything to a stop and and it forces things to reset. When you when you go back to the table, um, people are more willing to move. People are more willing to accommodate. Uh, and I think this is an opportunity for us all to to move forward a little bit more than we would have normally to to accommodate um, other people's views a little more than than we might have before because we have the time and the space to really listen and we're seeing we're seeing their experiences in ways that and we're experiencing those experiences in ways that uh, we never have before and I think it just gives us the opportunity to uh, be. Uh, better, be better leaders, be a better union, be uh, be better citizens. Um, so, you know, if there's a silver lining to this awfulness, um, I think it's that uh, we don't have to go back to what we had. Um, we can we can do better than that, and if we just acknowledge that and rebuild with that in mind, I'll take that. Uh, it certainly would not have been worth the loss of life. It wouldn't. That well, it's never worth that. Yeah, there is no that there is none of that but but i can't change that we we can't change that but we can change our future mm -hmm. um and if there's an opportunity to do better uh, uh even just in my own backyard at equity um then i want to and so you know that's where i find myself right now uh <laughs> campaigning in the middle of a, a pandemic <laughs> right god <laughs> i have to tell you and i guess this is like kind of my official announcement about it i suppose publicly but so i am show running um, a digital broadcast gala for the Guthrie right now. 
in Minnesota, which is one of our oldest, you know, most storied theaters in the whole country. And I've been working with them for about four weeks already. And it has been such an honor. And I probably won't stop talking about them uh, for the (laughs) next nine weeks while we do this. It has been such an honor to see, to your point, Brian, a, a theatrical institution that takes fiscal responsibility very seriously and therefore has not furloughed any of its staff. Number one. Mm-hmm. Two is committed, even in this gala, to making sure everybody gets paid something to appear in it. You know what I mean? And yeah. all that good stuff, Great. which is amazing. It's so nice to hear that straight from their administration, right? Number three, to see this institution, part of, not part of the reason I believe that they haven't laid off staff is because they are really brave and forward thinking and innovative and are already trying to blue sky this for them, right? Acknowledge we can't do what we were doing for a little bit. So like, what can we do, right? Jumping straight into a like really amazingly produced virtual gala broadcast. That's like the give back concert. None of them have ever done anything like that before. We're having discussions about what could be, you know, and what can they do in their theater while they can't gather people. And so I just sort of think like 360 in my experience with the Guthrie so far, they are the epitome of what you're talking about Brian, exactly. in this moment. Exactly. Um, and you know, I've, I've heard from a lot of, a lot of theater makers who, who are like w- looking for ways to um, employ and pay artists um, not only, not only to employ and pay artists, but to, to do their own work, to do their work. I mean, to make theater, that's what they do. That's, uh, they are artists and, uh, and makers too. Um, so keeping their doors open is great. Uh, but, but I, I just did a play reading, uh, what is today? Sunday. Okay. So Friday night. <laughs> yeah. So Friday, yeah. Saturday, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, at around eight thirty, I did a play reading of sense and sensibility just with, um, with uh, eight semi-inebriated uh, uh, artists <laughs> across the country. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> In fact, it was Stacy Joyce, uh, our, our director from, uh, from uh, Peter. Oh my god! Yeah, asked me to asked me to read a couple of the roles, and Amazing. and so I just I poured myself a glass of wine, and I got out some Girl Scout cookies, and had um, myself a day. <laughs> and we were and we were all artists for a second because we yeah. because we need to do that. Um, so, totally. you know, anytime that an institution says we still need to be the ma- the theater makers that we are, but that also means that um, we have an obligation to that community and to those individuals to to pay them to mm-hmm. make sure that they can do mm-hmm. the thing that they do when they when they partner with us. Uh, Which is just a work. It's just a working business model, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's you're not building it on a. Yeah, sustainable working yeah. business model. That's all. That's all. That's that's like really the biggest opportunity is to rebuild, even if they're very tiny for a little while. Working sustainable business models. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit, we are out of time. Oh my. Yeah. Amazing. Right. I mean, it's- I know. So if people. Okay, so if people want to, the election, tell us when the election is, where they can follow Fair Wage stuff, where they can follow you, all that good stuff. Okay, folks, uh, you can find me on at Cooper, B-R-I-M-Y-C-O-O-P-E-R on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Brian Myers Cooper. Um, fairwageoncouncil.org. Spelled everything exactly how you think it would be. No, no spaces. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll find all of our candidates there. I'm running with, uh, alongside 16, um, uh, 15. I'm 
16, <laughs> 15 amazing candidates. <laughs> uh, you can you can read their statements. You can uh, find out a lot more about them individually and collectively what our, pla- our platforms are. Uh, we have a COVID page. We don't have a crystal ball. There are no answers there, but certainly... Um, uh, there are ethos feeds into what we want to see come out of this. And we want to be a part of that. Uh, so fairwageoncouncil.org. Um, you can find us all on, uh, Facebook. We do a fair wage Fridays, uh, every Friday. So on Facebook, if you find the fair wage Fridays group, uh, you can find out more information about that, that, uh, or you can sign up for our mailing list on our website. Uh, but that's just a virtual town hall that we're holding. That's really not about the elections. It's about people from around the country, sharing their experiences, sharing their, tr- their challenges, cool. their solutions. Um, one, the first one we did a couple of weeks ago was almost entirely about unemployment because that was the height of everyone, filing for unemployment after their shows closed, after their contracts were canceled. Um, Everyone was frustrated across the country, and it was a big sharing of resources of our members, stage managers and actors just getting together and sharing. Um, So that's what those uh, Fair Wage Fridays are about, and they've they've, uh, really taken off. Uh, So if you're interested in that, uh, go to the Facebook group um, and get more information about how to join that. Um, You should join that, Jess, because uh, this last week was all about streaming um, and uh, uh, and new business models, new models of sharing our work, uh, which are happening um, all over the country in all kinds of ways. Uh, The Guthrie is only one example of dozens of theaters that have come to equity and said, hey, how can we still share this work? How can we do this? There was a theater in Chicago that did a production of of, uh, Teenage Dick. and they opened it. They did. They did a, a preview. Actually, I don't even think they opened it. I think they just did a preview or a couple of previews, and they taped it. And then, mm-hmm. and then, and then they never went to the theater again. Uh, and they show that every night at eight o'clock Central Time, uh, and you can buy tickets yeah. to it as if it were a virtual performance. And they've worked out a a, a way. To, it's it's. Uh, to keep people safe, but share their work. And the theater is open for business, even though the theater, the stage is dark. Anyway, uh, you know, there's so much innovation going on. It's so exciting yeah. uh, coming out of this. It's uh, There are so many opportunities for a very different business uh, industry uh, of live theater. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you both for, for having me. I, <laughs> we're excited to see what the future looks like. Thank you. Um, Jess, can we talk about Brian Myers Cooper real quick? Um, that was the haircut, the pants, the genius. He's a fine looking man. He looks like he's in his fucking mid thirties, but he is going to be, he's 53. Did he say? Yeah. yeah. God. It's that's like, you know, insane. it was, I just, the opportunity to sit down and really like hear more in depth information about how equity works and the people who are sort of like leading it into the future felt like a real mm-hmm. privilege today i think if that's something that doesn't happen very often for me i don't know about you but yeah same thing as i've never really thought about who's on council who is uh working for actors equity i mean i was one of those people who constantly complained about you know things that i was like god damn it why do we still work in these archaic times of like if i want to work through the fucking break why do i have to fucking take a 10 you know what i mean like it's stupid stuff yeah. like that to me where i'm like if we're in the middle of something why the fuck am i taking a break then my question for you is like how how has that changed based on this conversation or knowing brian again that's what i'm saying that's the blue sky you go that in an ideal world that is my that is my that is my want my yen but to facilitate that and make it happen i I don't have the answer for that and i think that's where a lot of people are is like 
changing of the paradigm and changing of the infrastructure of, you know, what this could be or, and I, I feel like a lot of these like subgroups um, that get together and chat like the Carson Elrods and the Blue Skyers or, you know, whatever that group is called again, getting people together like that to be able to think out loud and kind of uh, brainstorm on what we want uh, and what would be perfect and then have another group of people to be like, hey, listen, how do we facilitate that? How do we actually get that to be tangible? How do we get it in the working language? I'm excited to see where it goes. And I would love Me to too. actually put myself into a spot where I'm like able to um, bloviate, if you will, on <laughs> the uh, and to postulate on these ideas, but also to get down into the nooks and crannies of like what's broken. How do we fix that? How do we bolster some of this stuff and make it stronger for the future how do we how do we become more of a less subjective as artists and more tangible as a union got to start thinking about running for equity andrew that's kind of where i was at you know that's kind of what yeah guys this is my bid no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that's the but that's the future um my great hope for everyone who listened to this episode is if you are in the theater you absolutely go follow brian myers cooper at brian my cooper um on the all the platforms and if you're a patron of the arts and you listen to this please go follow him because you by knowing more about how our industry works on the back end and what is happening with actors and stage managers you become a more effective advocate and ally for the arts particularly in this moment in which everything is really tenuous and no one really knows what's happening except we know we can't live in a world without the arts Um, he's a great source of uh, information and will always obviously uh, help amplify any of the fair wage uh, folks work as well so head over to those socials and follow him if you want to know more about this head over to twitter instagram or facebook and follow us at tm2c podcast ask your questions for our upcoming guests like brian or tell us about someone smart and cool that you think that we should follow online or you think we should talk to. hey and y'all get into our back catalog of episodes you can get nerdy about tiktok with influencer and cellist nathan chan learn about the artist plus activist relief fund with changemaker michael skolnick or you can sink into what happens next with musical theater uh on our coffee date with the broadway husbands and that's just three of the many many awesome coffee date episodes we've put out can we talk about how we're trending in romania and germany come get some that's it for this episode of take me to coffee now it's your turn one check out new episodes every tuesday on your favorite podcast and skibbity perhaps tony becker comedy you're killing me in these covid times bro <laughs> two for special bonus content including being able to see the nursery room brian is currently turning into his command central join our coffee club over at patreon www.patreon.com slash tm2c podcast your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you with you and completely ad free no one tells us what to do. Three, check out some of our other past coffee dates and leave us a review so we can emerge from the dark corners of the podcast swamp. I'm Jess. I'm Andrew. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Okay, bye. Okay. Okay, bye. One comes around one today. They don't say things the same. Two walk like two out the door. Then you have magic.